Hello everyone and welcome to Music for a While. And that's what we're going to do. Have some music for a while. I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion. Recently, I've been writing and reporting and reviewing from Salzburg, from the Salzburg Festival in the heart of Austria and therefore in the heart of Europe. Yefin Bronfman, the Russian-born pianist, played a Bartok concerto with the Vienna Philharmonic, and two days later he played a recital. He has been using the revolutionary etude as an encore in recent months. He played it after the Bartok concerto. He played it as an encore in his recital. Last April, he played it in Carnegie Hall, again as an encore in a recital. So, let's begin our podcast with this fast and furious etude. I should really have Bronfman, but I don't think he's made a recording of it. I have instead Maurizio Pulini. This is a brilliant recording, unsurpassed as far as I know. And don't forget, unsurpassed does not mean unequaled. A lot of people forget that. When we say revolutionary etude, we mean the etude in C minor, opus 10, number 12, by Chopin. This piece has another name, Etude on the Bombardment of Warsaw. Here we go.
That was the Etude in C minor, opus 10, number 12, Revolutionary, by Chopin, played by the brilliant Maurizio Pollini. By the way, Chopin dedicated this piece to his friend, as he calls him, Franz Liszt. We'll hear from Liszt later in the program. Again, I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion, bringing you music for a while. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you may do so via iTunes, Google Play, etc. If you'd like to write to me, the address is nordlinger at newcriterion.com. If you'd like to sponsor the show, please let us know. Salzburg has a lot of street music. Classical music, yes. Last month, I heard a young woman playing a Bach cello suite. I believe I heard others playing Bach violin suites. But there are other genres, too. One late afternoon, as I recall, I heard some smooth jazz coming from some quarter. And it reminded me, isn't Mood Indigo a truly wonderful piece, a truly wonderful song? You can use it as an instrumental or with words. Duke Ellington wrote the music. The identity of the lyricist is in dispute. I don't think it matters much, frankly. This is an Ellington number, and we will hear it sung, incomparably in my judgment, by Ella Fitzgerald. You ain't been blue 
Ellington number with Ella Fitzgerald. One of my favorite musical anecdotes and human anecdotes involves Liza Minnelli. Years ago, in an interview, she was asked, Who's the best singer? She said, You mean besides Ella? This summer, the Salzburg Festival staged Il Tritico by Puccini. Let me read from a post I wrote at National Review Online. I reviewed a performance of this opera at the festival last week. Actually, the opera is three operas in one, three one-actors. The last is Gianni Schicchi, a brilliant comedy. Well, Gianni Schicchi usually goes last. In Salzburg, they put it first, which is another issue. While I was watching and listening to Gianni Schicchi, I had a couple of thoughts not related to opera or theater. I thought I would say a few words about them here. One thought relates to the material progress of mankind. The other relates to societies, open and closed. What makes a society or civilization great? That sort of thing. John Nieskiki is based on the Divine Comedy, and the story takes place in the Florentine Republic in the year 1299. Buozo Donati, a very rich man, has kicked the bucket. His relatives are in his bedroom, licking their chops, waiting to get their hands on the will. When they get it, they are dismayed. Donati has left his entire fortune to an order of monks. They will grow fat, say the relatives. They will have to loosen their belts, while we will have to tighten ours. Their pantries will burst. Ours will have little. They'll chow down on thrushes, geese, quails. With their fat, rosy faces, they'll laugh at our gaunt ones. I've paraphrased, but I've communicated the basic idea. If people came into a fortune today, how would they spend it? What fancies would dance through their heads? Would they think about food? In advanced countries, that is? developed countries? Would they not instead think about foreign vacations, houses, sports cars, jewelry, the paying off of student loans? I'm making a simple point, but one to ponder, I think. Our present age is one in which a major problem of the poor is obesity. This is a sharp departure from the long, miserable, hungry history of mankind. We've come a long way, baby, certainly in material terms. In Gianni Schicchi, Rinuccio wants to marry Lauretta, daughter of Schicchi. But Rinuccio's aunt, Zita, is dead set against it. Schicchi is not a Florentine, you see, not a native. He has come from away, 
he's a newcomer. And what a disgrace it would be to have such a person linked to an established Florentine family. Here's what Sita sings. Someone come up to Florence from the country. Imagine being related to newcomers. I will not have him here. I won't. Then it's Renucho's turn to sing. He's from the country? Well, so what? Enough of this petty, small-minded prejudice. His aria goes like this. Florence is like a tree in flower, whose trunk and branches are found in the Piazza dei Signori, but its roots bring new strength in from the fresh, fruitful valleys. Florence grows, and solid palaces and slim towers rise up to the stars. Before the Arno runs to the sea, singing, it kisses the Piazza Santa Croce, and its song is so sweet and resonant that the streams chorus in to join it. In this way, artists and scientists have joined to make Florence richer and more splendid. And from the castles of Valdelsa, welcome Arnolfo, come down to build his beautiful tower. And Giotto came from Leafy Mugel, and Medici, the valiant merchant. Enough of narrow-minded malice and spite. Long lived the newcomers and Gianni Schicchi. Them's fightin' words, at least where I live. I say some more on this topic in my post, and then I conclude, Anyway, there is no new issue under the sun, is there? No new anything. Mankind has been wrestling with these things for eons, and will wrestle on. All right, enough of my talking. Let's hear Placido Domingo sing. He will sing Rinuccio's aria with the new Philharmonia Orchestra, conducted by Nello Santi. Prima. 
The Aria di Rinuccio, Rinuccio's Aria, from Gianni Schicchi by Puccini. The tenor was Placido Domingo, the orchestra the New Philharmonia, conducted by Nello Santi. Their recording was made in 1973. You want to hear Rinuccio's Aria in English? Kind of interesting. The recording is not of the best technological quality, but at least we get to hear John Vickers singing in his native Canada in 1956. Where did he come from? Why bother? Does it matter? Yeah, it All this petty spite and be brought finded. <laughs> Like a tree firmly planted, branching from the piazza's glory, struggling through the steam to gather strength with aid, watered by streams that flow from this valley, and the Florence is growing strong and mighty. Wonderful man, a man like Tom, for 
Renucho's aria from an English-language version of Puccini's Gianni sung by John Vickers. The opera, the entire opera, was broadcast by CBC Television the day after Christmas in 1956. The performance was conducted by George Crumb, not the composer George Crumb, but a George Crumb without the B on the end, C-R-U-M. Not crummy at all. Wonderful, vibrant performance. At the Salzburg Festival this summer, Ricardo Muti conducted a program of the Vienna Philharmonic. On that program was a rarity, a relative rarity, the symphonic poem number 13 of Liszt. Liszt wrote 13 of these poems, so, obviously, this one is the last. The composer wrote it toward the end of his long life, long for the 19th century, 74 years. The name of the poem, or the nickname, the subtitle, if you will, is From the Cradle to the Grave. It begins with the gentle rocking of the cradle and proceeds from there. Maestro Muti has always championed Liszt, and orchestral Liszt needs championing, for it is not very often played, unlike pianistic Liszt. Even the songs get around some. I had some talks with Muti this summer, and we discussed the symphonic poem number 13. Conductors are reluctant to program it, he said, in part because there's no big payoff, no great applause at the end, because the piece ends with a gentle, almost offhand, leave-taking. In any event, this is really a piece to know. So beautiful, unusual, imaginative, skillful, skillfully constructed. I don't believe Muti has recorded it. We'll hear a recording from 1971, the London Philharmonic Orchestra, under Bernard Heitink. From the Cradle to the Grave, Symphonic Poem Number 13, of Franz Liszt.
The Symphonic Poem Number 13, From the Cradle to the Grave, by Franz Liszt. The performers were the London Philharmonic Orchestra and the late maestro Bernard Heitink. We've talked about Gianni Schicchi. The other two operas in Il Tritico are Il Tabarro, or The Cloak, and Suor Angelica, Sister Angelica. The great heart-stopping aria in Suor Angelica is Senza Mamma, a real killer. You know who sang the bejesus out of it? No surprise. Leontine Price. She recorded it commercially, but there are also live recordings, and I give you one from January 1968.
Senza Mamma from Suor Angelica by Puccini, sung by Leontine Price with the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra under Carlo Franci in the first month of 1968. She was endlessly dynamic, electric. I was messing around on the internet recently and found a recording of Tangerine, the song from 1941. Music by Victor Schertzinger, words by Johnny Mercer. Great song, and done up, really done up, by the Oscar Peterson Trio. You got Oscar, the pianist, Ray Brown on guitar, and Ed Thigpen on drums. The year is 1962. So, so great. See you later, everybody. <laughs>